0: Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. So, um, Kelsey is going to talk to us a little bit about some recommended changes in dietary guidelines. Who's for guidelines?
1: Americans? For who, Americans, but
0: who made this decision? <laughs> 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 Mom and pa, the neighbor down the street. Obviously, they didn't listen Americans to me. Americans, like South Americans, <laughs>
1: Mexicans. Um, so these um, are issued by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. So every five years, we create a new guidelines, and these guidelines kind of set, um, kind of guide the policy changes, and um, you know our Head Start, our school lunches,
2: um, military jails. Things yes. like that. Anything the military has, or the government has their hands in. Basically, if they're going to receive pay or support, they have to kind of meet these meet these guidelines. Okay.
1: Um, it was started in 1980, so every five years since then. Uh, the biggest changes for uh, the 2020-2025 range um, is that they've included guidelines from birth all the way up to um, old age. <laughs>
2: Okay. Um, fi- 50, 55. 40. Uh, 40. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Those 40-year-olds. Oh, to be 40 again. Do I want to go back? I don't know.
1: Um, including pregnancy and breastfeeding. And um, they are actually recommending um, the length of time to breastfeed, breastfeed exclusively is a minimum of six months. Um, and so they take they get these guidelines from scientific evidence um, from health-promoting diets um, in the general U.S. population. Um,
2: At least that's where it's supposed to come from.
1: Yes, who are healthy. Um, and then they also have those um, for um, diet-related diseases, heart disease, cancer, and obesity. Um, there's a separate guideline for obesity? Yes. Hmm. So. Is that new? Not for – it was – I don't know when that one started. Not just new from – so it was previous. Gotcha. Um, four key recommendations. Limit added sugars – to less than 10% of calories per day.
2: Can we lower that even more? But yes, I agree with that.
1: (laughs) Yes, we're going to see which ones Dr. Rigby agrees with. Um, So the food labels, newer, not like new this year, but um, the last several years, food manufacturers have had to um, include the added sugars to the food item so if you're reading a food label and it's got carbohydrates and then it has sugars and then underneath that will have um added sugars and those are what's the food manufacturer has added to what's actually naturally occurring
2: if that makes sense i hope if you can believe them but it's a step in the right direction so if you can try to avoid the ones that have a lot of added sugar to it theoretically a step in the right direction
1: um, limit saturated fat to less than 10% of calories per day.
0: <laughs> Dr.
2: Ribby is... Uh, <laughs> giving us faces. <laughs> Again, it's... There's not good... The research, at least what I've read, about avoiding the fats, and there's there's a lot of debate on this one. Again, if we go back... Haven't we talked about what saturated, monounsaturated, and polyunsaturated is? We yeah, have, but click us Quick. Recap of that. Recap. Saturated, basically it's, basically, it's a chain of fat or basically carbons that they're single bonds, so they can't be broken. And mono has one double bond that technically can uh, break and grab onto something else or be altered, and poly has two or more. Um, and they at these bonds, they usually have a kink, so they can't lay down just together. That's why they always say saturated fats can usually go solid at room temperature because all the molecules can lay down together mono they can't because they're at least one kink and then the poly have multiple aspects and that's where they always say polyunsaturated is healthier because it can lower your your uh ldl um as you, if you've probably heard we talk about multiple other aspects not just that bad aspect and this is actually one that i learned recently i, I need to do more research on but i've heard that with like the monos when you And that's why we say it has a, a low smoke point, so you don't want to cook in olive oil and stuff like that. But when you do, that, mod, that poly or the uh, saturated, or not the saturated, the- Poly? Mono. Mono link can actually flip and actually turn into more of a trans fat, which we're actually trying to get rid of. So that's where, again, just different aspects of looking at some of this information- but if the saturated fat comes from an animal and you eat the whole animal, again, most of these fats, when they list it, is whatever's listed the most. There's Everything has a combination of polymono and saturated fat. So I still have a hard time. Or argue the saturated fat from lots of different aspects.
1: I do think, though, if you're adding saturated fat with sugar, that's definitely something that you want to avoid.
2: Again, I'm not arguing the sugar. We say the it. What's the saturated it? <laughs> fat? Again? The
1: saturated is going to be like ice cream. Um, animal products would be your saturated.
2: Okay. <laughs> like canola oil? That's? That's a, a poly. It's a poly. Yeah. Okay. And that's actually being processed over and over and over from a grain okay. to get the oil. Okay. So I agree with Cheryl. That's usually where the biggest issue is, is when you're adding whatever fat it is, be it poly, mono, or saturated fat and sugar. That's your usually biggest problem. If you have one, the fat without the sugar or less sugar with no fat, you're usually going to deal with it a lot better or handle it a lot better. Okay. Thank you. I'll stop rambling. Back to Kelsey. <laughs> All
1: right. The third recommendation is limiting sodium intake to less than twenty three hundred milligrams per day, um, or even less if you're younger than fourteen.
2: He's having a conniption fit over
1: yeah. here. I know
0: <laughs> he didn't like that one either.
2: <laughs> because the research on those things, and it's, I know it's a l- long-standing understanding of, or at least that's what we've been taught, is we need to avoid. Salts and sodium chloride being the most common one. The problem is going back to the salt or going back to the sugar. If we're limiting the sugar, we're now theoretically, it's a lot more complex than this, but we're lowering your insulin level and lower insulin. Isn't going to tell your kidneys to hang on to salt. Therefore you hang on to water. Therefore adding salt to that situation. Yes, it's a bad thing. Kind of like adding fat to the sugar is a bad thing. But when you're now cutting back on the carbohydrates, Lowering your insulin level will allow the kidneys to actually let go of salt. Water follows. That's why a lot of people will call the Atkins flu or keto flu because they don't feel very good. And one of the solutions is to add more salt and preferably sea salt. So it's so some slight variability to it. And again, I agree. Adding a really high salt diet to a high standard American diet with a lot of sugar again, not a good idea. Okay. But going back to number one, let's get back off, back off the, the sugar. The other two, why worry about it? Sugar, the silent killer. <laughs> Pretty much it is.
1: Yeah, the last one is limiting alcoholic beverages to two drinks or less a day for men and one drink or less a day for women.
2: Coming from a non-drinker, sure, great, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> no comment on that one. <laughs> why the difference between men and women? Men are bigger, they theoretically have a better metabolism, have a bigger liver, be able to process it, but men are also higher risk of having fatty liver. So Okay.
1: So Doctor, I think you'll agree with this theme, making every bite count with the dietary guidelines. Yes. They really are trying to focus on choosing healthy foods and beverages rich in nutrients, um, and staying within your calorie limit. So you'll see that throughout the large thirty one page document.
2: Yeah. And the problem is, I understand what they're trying to do because it's kind of making a global statement for everybody to follow. There's four people in this room. We can come up with four general recommendations that each of us should probably live. So there, it's it's hard for them to come up and go, okay, well, this research shows this and this research shows this. What do we come up with? And then turn around, what will the manufacturers actually do? So they're in a bad situation or a hard situation to be in, don't get me wrong, but that's where having these guidelines is. Why are we even having them? Why are we having the government make, making some of these decisions for us? But unfortunately, it's kind of a bigger umbrella type thing. I understand.
1: Um, and then it's um they also t- discuss about the pattern of eating. So it's uh, more important t- um to focus on the combination of foods and beverages. Um, that make up the whole diet, not just a single food or a single, you know, drink. Um, and research is showing that an ongoing pattern of an individual's eating habits have the greatest impact on their health.
2: Makes sense. I would agree with that. I didn't hear anything about limiting fast food.
1: <laughs> There's, um that probably goes into the, under the categories of the four, because um, fast food is higher in sodium, higher in saturated fat.
2: Again, I'm not saying fast food's horrible, but unfortunately, they don't want to step on other people's toes either. That's the problem. So, mm-hmm. and again, some people, that's how they live. So, it's more of making better choices and with that. With your means.
1: Um, last thing I want to say is that the average American diet scores a 59 out of 100 on the healthy eating index, which measures how closely um, our standard diet aligns with the dietary guidelines.
2: Sounds like an F-scaler.
1: Yes, I think American is scoring enough on these guidelines. That's
2: what it sounds like. You're 59%. If I got a 59% on a test, I'd be, I'd be in trouble.
1: So we're still not. I mean, they have these guidelines, updating them every five years, and we're still, as a population, not meeting them. So maybe change the guidelines? <laughs> They're more
0: like the pirate code, right? <laughs> They're more
2: like guidelines anyway. <laughs> Again... Basically, use it, kind of go back to what we've always talked about, experiment on what works for you, make better choices. Again, what's your health risk? And just go start with there. That's the problem, is they're making general guidelines, but everybody's got different metabolic problems.
1: Yeah. I mean, even in the US, we still have food insecurity and food deserts, and so um, we can go in a very big spiral but um, make those choices of by what's available to you
2: yes and eat when you're hungry
1: and be okay not eating Fasting's okay
2: yes it is we do it every night
0: thanks for joining us on the why weight elevate podcast we want to hear what you think about this podcast and encourage you to continue the discussion in our facebook group the why Wait elevate community Also, if you found this episode to be helpful, can you share it with your friends that would appreciate listening to it? And if you found our podcast to be helpful, we would love it if you would leave us a review. It helps others hear about our podcast, and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you for taking a moment in your day to spend time with us.